Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I have two gentlemen joining me from the other side of the world. So if you just fly a long way from San Diego, California, uh, probably about 5,000 miles, you're going <laughs> to you're going to reach uh Phil Clothier and he is joining us from uh England and from Göteborg, Sweden is Tor Enroth and the lower left-hand corner there and me your host of this show Greg Voison from San Diego isn't technology wonderful you guys look we can sit here and have this discussion <laughs> it's fantastic um, we we don't have to fly so much so we can do <laughs> we could do it here <laughs> and we're going to be talking about a new book they have out that we'll talk about their website as well where you can actually access this book 100% free and for all my business listeners, it's really important that you listen to what they have to say. It's called, oh, there he got, he has a copy. I don't have a copy. So <laughs> Growing a Culture for Sustainability, you can get the book off of Amazon. Um, but also you can go to the website and they um, have a download of the book for free with a page turning ability. So that's one of the resources these gentlemen are very giving uh, of their time and all of and also of their resources, and it's a big resources. So I'm going to start with Phil. Phil Clothier lives in Leicester, England, with his wife, and they have two grown children. Phil's early career in the IT sector and as a sales director, focused on happiness of his team and clients rather than income and profit. In 2000, he read a copy of Liberating the Corporate Soul. It's about when I read it too, or maybe a little before mm -hmm. from Richard Barrett, and I took a training in it, and that's how I got to know Phil. Uh, he had a life-changing moment, quickly moving into the fields of value, culture, consciousness, and leadership development. He went on to lead Barrett Value Center for 10 years, growing the network and global impact of his work. This included with corporations, NGOs, and governments. Uh, Tor Inroth, he lives in Jutlberg, Sweden, as we said, with his wife, also has two children. How amazing is that? You guys just know how to produce two children. That's it. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Myself as well. So it looks like it's two. Uh, that must have been the, 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 the dictation that came down from the government. Only two. Tor has been working practically with cultural transformation for the last 25 years and roles as culture manage in large global organizations like SCA and Volvo. In these roles, he trained and coached and, consultant and consulted leaders to free their own full human potential in order to liberate their organization's full potential. He's initiated and co-authored a number of publications about change and cultural transformation. His background and experience led to a director role with Barrett Value Center for more than 10 years, supporting leaders and consultants in all parts of the world and types of organizations to evolve their cultures. In 2021, Phil and Tor left BVC and established Amkara. Am I pronouncing that right, gentlemen? Amkara? Yeah. Uh, from the Gothic word, Amakara, meaning soul friends. They've taken their experience in the field of organizational transformation, applying that to big challenges and opportunities for sustainability and well-being in all life. Well, gentlemen, pleasure having you on the show. Uh, pleasure and being here. You, 
you you both have you know wonderful bios um and you've really done the work let's face it it's a it's a big challenge out there today um and we're constantly faced with it but i think for people when you say growing culture of uh sustainability you know there's a there can be a lot packed into that when you say mm-hmm. that right it's it's like okay so what does that mean so maybe we just start with you phil what does it really mean to define sustainability in the context of what we call the the current global challenges that we face because you know sustainability of using renewable resources the sustainability of having a culture where we support our people and human capital um the values which we possess there's a lot packed into that so maybe you can unpack it a little bit both of you yeah well i would start by saying that um there's a picture behind me looking at the un sustainable sustainable development goals and these are 17 goals defined by uh, defined by the united nations and most governments on the planet are saying these are the things that are necessary for good life conditions on planet earth and and we simplify that we're saying that sustainability is a stepping stone to well-being and and uh, and we go further than saying just well-being for human beings we're saying well-being for all life so that means giraffes and monkeys and blades of grass and slugs and snails and every every entity is 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 unless it all works none of it works and the some of the crisis we have today um it's necessary for us to focus on all of that. Um, but I would start by saying, in, in fact, I'm going to read a, a, a quote from Rumi on the back of the book. It says, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the central kind of message and philosophy that we have of this work. If we want to make a change at organizational cultural level and global societal level then actually the big work is to change what's inside of here and for both of us that's still an ongoing challenge well and i and i and i'll add to that i think that quote is wonderful what because it really kind of sums up we've all got to change and um the dalai lama says one of the only ways and stephen kotler says this too which is surprising um you know, only one of the ways we're going to do it is to have more compassion with one another, mm-hmm. right? And I and I think well, compassion's a word. You know, I have a foundation called Compassionate Communications Foundation. I work with the homeless. I work with refugees uh, from Ukraine. But I do believe that at the true soul level, a spiritual level, talking about a spiritual level, we need this um, uh, consciousness shift where we are all more conscious of being compassionate with one another so that we can help solve these problems. And that will be a kickoff for you, Tor. If you discuss the fundamental shift in thinking and behavior that's required to embrace a culture of sustainability, and there's a lot of cultures, right? So we're talking today, we're talking about an organizational culture, we can talk about the culture in a government, we can talk about the culture in education, we can talk about the culture, 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 the culture of your family. You know, there's a lot. Uh, maybe you could unpack that one for us. Well, I, culture is a very, as you say, a very wide description of uh, uh, the way on how we do things here, so to speak. And, and uh, a lot of that is an unconscious 
part of us. Something that, and you also mentioned that is we have to become more com- become more conscious. But we are also, I would say, doing a lot of things without being conscious about it. But uh, the fundamental shift that is needed is is more of recognizing that if it's not to become the best in the world but to be best for the world uh, and knowing that we have a role to play and we're all contributing. Uh, you are never not contributing to shaping the culture that you are part of in your family, in your, uh, your business or organization that you're working for. You're always shaping that. And it comes from what's inside of you. And the key thing is really to become conscious about what are those drivers, those needs, those aspirations that are governing us and our decision-making in our daily life. Uh, and that's why we say you have to start there. And, and um, the, the way on how we describe it most simply is that we're all connected. Like the bee is connected to the flower and needs the flower in order to you know, get the honey and to get that. And, then, and it's all connected the same thing with the, we as human beings and on this earth. We are very much depending on that there is a, a livelihood in the on the world or in the world that is working. And if it's not working, we won't have a business. It doesn't really matter if we only focus on the business if we don't take care of the environment that we are part of. Uh, it, it will well, I think, collapse. I think some people listening might think that uh, our approach here is a bit idealistic. Um, you know, in a sense that it's like, okay, you guys are painting. A, a, we want to create these cultures that are there, and you know, we say people, planets, profit. You know, and in what order? Um, you know, it, the the issue now is really where are you putting your priorities? Um, and I think for people in leadership positions, which is going to be my next question, we need a shift in the leaders, how they possess. And in this case, the qualities, the characteristics that the leaders possess in order to foster this culture of sustainability. Because as you both said, it starts with us. You know, the finger points back to us. And I, I think and we, you know, I've had so many people on here talk about leadership and you were at Volvo and you guys were at Barrett Values. You went into big companies, you worked with leaders on a constant basis. You could tell the leaders that were consciously aware and the ones that were consciously asleep. Um, and when I say awaken, I think liberating the corporate soul that Barrett wrote way back when was really about looking at that design chart of how am I going to elevate? Ken Wilbur talked about it. Ken's been on the show several times as well. We look at lines and levels and whatever without getting too (laughs) crazy about it. Speak with us about the basic characteristics and fundamentals that a leader in an organization, Phil, you can lead with this, would need to have or shift in their mindset before they can actually tackle what we're talking is somewhat of an idealistic shift in culture. Mm, okay. Well, I'm going to start with a fundamental that actually is shared by all world religions that it, it works equally in organizations which is treat others as you wish to be treated. Uh-huh. And a wonderful a wonderful organization called Reboot the Future have adjusted that a little bit to say treat others and the planet as you wish to be treated in order to include that extra stakeholder. So 
that comes back to what you were talking about in terms of compassion and kindness and caring and and those sort of things. But the the key job, I would say, in terms of leadership is to become aware of the fears that are holding us back. And um, from, we've worked with many leaders who are operating from a fear base that of of words like blame or manipulation or exploitation or bullying and and there's a thing these are things that usually have come from um traumatic childhoods where they've been stuck in a situation and they've had to adapt these strategies just to survive childhood and they've never really become aware of them and now they they're in a leadership position and they're still operating with those same dysfunctional principles and so the key and by the we, way we call when, those when by the people, way we call those adverse childhood experiences or ace which yep. you guys may be familiar with i'm working with dr brian allman and dr mm-hmm. Voetti, who were the founders of that at kaiser permanente here in the united states they did a 147,000 person study on if you take the ace questionnaires what your mm-hmm. propensity is to have higher levels of stress in your life, to be able to navigate life, to be able to come with a loving, compassionate, understanding mentality about life. And it's surprising. You are right. You do carry those with you, but you can transmute them, right? And I think it's about people like you going in and working with leaders to help them transmute many of those issues, right? You you yeah. can absolutely do that, and, but it requires yeah. it requires willingness on the part of that person to say, "Oh, mm-hmm. I I now am aware of these behaviors. That's been I've been helped to see that, and it's now my choice whether I do something about this or not." Tor, I think you were going to add something. You were going to no, no. I I was uh, just confirming what you were saying. So okay, repeating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it it like in any in any field of transformation, um, us as as coaches or whatever field of healing or transformation we're in, we can only work with organizations and leaders who are willing to do the work. And that requires time and courage and patience and tenacity um, to see it through, because this stuff is not easy. Letting go of those letting go of those fears is not an easy job. But as we do that and gradually become lighter we'll see that the universe responds and and like starts stuff starts coming in our direction but it is it is is tour a mind body spirit transformation right in other words you can't just say hey look i'm going to change my mind uh you really are going to go through because if it's not changed at a core level tour uh deep within inside somebody's soul uh, it doesn't normally stick, right? And that usually means a spiritual transformation somewhere. However you want to define it. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about Judaism or Buddhism or any of that. I'm saying your own personal religious transformation, whatever that might be. Or I should say spiritual transformation. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I said religious, but yeah. And so go ahead, Ator. I want you to add to that. No, I, I was uh, wanting to connect to this regarding courage, because we are very much trapped in a system where we believe that this has to be in this way, or this is the only way that it would work. Uh, and, and, and you have to have courage to challenge that, that 
way of thinking. And I have some very good example. And it had happened a couple of times when we were been working with leadership teams and talking about their kind of view of the reality or how things are and so on in their organization. And I come across many times when leaders individually, when you talk to them individually, they say, I can't talk about this uh, with others because then I will probably lose my job or I will not be trusted or this is not something that is typical for our business. So you need to have the courage to speak up. The interesting thing is when I speak to like seven leaders out of 10 or 15 in the management team, (laughs) more than half of them are saying the same thing, but they don't have the courage to talk about it. So it's really uh, it's, but does it's there, more but does inside the, of us than does we the culture actually... does the culture that they work in allow that freedom of expression? You know, who is much of that is culture. That what who is who is shaping the culture? That, that they are shaping down. the culture. That's, <laughs> That's the right. interesting thing. Right. So here are people who are actually are the key dominator who shape the culture, so saying that I can't do that. And mm-hmm. if you if you say that you can't do it. You can't do it. But if you're saying, I can do it, and I'm going to take that risk, or I'm going to reveal that view or my passion for that spirit that is speaking to me and, and have the courage to challenge what is. That so how is, vulnerable, uh, how vulnerable, look, Brene Brown talks a ton about vulnerability. You're mm-hmm. talking about key executives in an organization opening up their kimono, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. You guys can see everything. And you have many still male-dominated organizations, unfortunately. I think there should be more female-dominated organizations. But for a male to open up his kimono and let the rest of the world see who he is or who she is, especially at a very high level, to have that transparency. And that comes down to this question why is having this clear sense of purpose, their own purpose, the purpose of the organization, the why, critical for organizations seeking to navigate sustainability um, into their DNA? You know, what? maybe you can use an example, Tor. What about Volvo? Volvo makes great cars. Um, you know, they're, they're a leader now in doing some electric vehicles. And, you know, what's yeah. happening there? Volvo is is um, is a very good example. I first of all, no organization is perfect. Correct. But some are trying hard and and making a big difference. So it's not about finding the ones who have made it, so to speak, and and they are all in all good. But in, in if we take Volvo as an example, it's it's more of why are we doing what we're doing. It's not the per- we can say we are here for making money or we are here to have transportation transportation solution, which is part of the, the mission statement for Volvo. Uh, I was in the, the trucks side, not in the car, but doesn't really matter. But uh, the truck side had it. We are, we are in the um, transportation solution um, business, so to speak. But when that, that purpose is being put into, I would say, a higher or bigger uh, context that we are here to find a solution that are sustainable and that works for the long term and for the next generation and and so on. All of a sudden, in that conversation, when you talk about your purpose that is bigger than you actually what you're doing in your factory and what you have with your clients, you see that you have a bigger role to play. And and that actually is, is electrifying. It's actually, you feel 
proud inside of yourself that this is I am actually contributing to make this work. Uh, and uh, I think that when I the eleven years I worked at Volvo, we we were able to feel that vibration of we are here to really do something much bigger than just us individually and, mm-hmm. and contributing uh, to a much more sustainable well-being uh, on earth uh, and well, when the company is taking that responsibility that's where the shift happens inside of the leaders and the employees okay uh phil yeah i just want to add so actually i was coaching someone this morning from a, an engineering he was an engineer in an organization that goes on to help with crop production and I started out by asking, what's your purpose? And he said, well, I engineer efficient solutions for the for the manufacturing line. And after not very long, he came to the point of saying, I'm an engineer that contributes to feeding humanity. And I saw him sit up and feel totally different about himself in repositioning his purpose in that organization, making it more efficient on one hand, but and then coming up with this idea, actually, I'm contributing to feeding humanity, and that matters in a whole different way. And and so helping individuals and organizations to understand that purpose, I guarantee he will he will be in a different position when he shows up to work tomorrow and how he feels about his work and the and the impact that he can have on humanity in this moment of what some would call crisis. That's a big thing. Well, let's talk about that. You know, we live in a world today, in my almost 69 years here on this planet, I've observed many different wars. I've observed tremendous unrest. I've observed uh, leadership divisiveness like I've never seen before. I've seen social media tear apart the fabric of many different things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's that those are the sum of just a few of the underlying things including all the environmental issues and fires and floods and global warming. And yet at the root of all of this, people go to work for a company and the shareholders want a profit and that company has a a big what do you want to call it? outfacing like Volvo um, brand that has to be recognized. And we've seen disruptive brands, right? We've seen, you know, the Tesla. All right, great. An electric car. But did it lead the way? If you were sitting in the position as a CEO of a company right now, speaking with two gentlemen like yourself, who just wrote a book called Growing a Culture for Sustainability, Given all of the things I have to navigate, what are the top three things you would be speaking with them about taking into consideration that big swath of information that I just dumped on you? Um, Because that is something that I guarantee you they're all thinking about, but sometimes they just don't know how to navigate it. What's at the core? I mean, and what's at the core for both of you when I speak about this? What would you just say off the top of your head? I know it wasn't one of our questions, but <laughs> that's, that's that. okay. <laughs> yeah, I, life is like that. Yeah. No, it it, it it's actually it would be wonderful to have a, a kind of silver bullet answer to that question, which there are not. Right. There are questions uh, if you are. 
if I'm facing myself in that situation, which has, has been many of those, is more of what is alive inside of that individual? What's their current starting point? And, and, and what are their dreams and, and aspirations that they are looking for? That's where we start our journey uh, because then we know what their you know, priorities and focus and, and, uh, and drivers are. And so it all depends on the re response that we get uh, when we talk to, to them regarding where they are. Like, like Phil was talking about now, what, what's your purpose? And then all of a sudden something evolved that we can't imagine uh, and, and we take it from there, so to speak. That is a very important part. So it's no coming in, here's the formula. You have to do, 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 do you do those. Do, and well, then at, you your website, at your Amkara website, you have a values assessment, right? So mm -hmm. what I was getting at there was when our values shift to take into consideration growing a culture for sustainability, right? And they can change. It's, it's not something that's stagnant. Um, Phil, what would you tell somebody to look at who's feeling confused and or doesn't know how to navigate that? Wouldn't it be around looking at your values? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have a few uh, different offerings. So at amkara.life, um, and you, the first page on that is our resources page. You could just click on that and go down to the assessments there. And there are assessments for me as an individual to look at my own personal sustainability and then for leaders to be able to assess what's the sustainability of my organization as a culture and then thirdly what's the sustainability what's our contribution to a sustainable world so it's those three dimensions me inside how how sustainable is our culture and what's the contribution that our organization, our culture makes to a sustainable world? It's it's a fantastic place to start. And they're all free. So, so And that's what I was getting at. I want my yeah. listeners to understand you have put at your website so many of the resources that people need to get on track. Yes. You know, you can take these resources. You can contact these gentlemen. You can read their book. It's free there. You can go to Amazon and get it. But my point is, is that that's the no, way you, you, you can't get it on Amazon. Oh, you can't. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, you can you know. order it from you then, right? <laughs> yeah. If you want it. I mean, you both were holding up copies. So I just. Yeah, we made a him. copy for ourselves. And for those oh, who, okay. can't, who can't really believe that I can read, I can't read this online. And then we have the. A, a few copies, but uh, okay. it's, it, it's a free that. online. Okay. okay. So I, let me just us. say something about the resources sharing, because we decided that all of our resources, tools, materials, books, self-assessments, everything we're giving away, we're putting free in yeah. the public domain, what's called the creative commons. We charge for our time when people want to work with us, um, but everything else that we so here's a here's to challenge some mindsets because there's a huge mindset about intellectual property and that's ours and we have to we have to have that well we have the opposite view that that there isn't enough time to say we own that and only we can use it we have to make our work available to everybody so that you can take it you can use it free of charge whether you're commercial or non-commercial purposes whether you attribute us as or not is fine we don't we don't we label mind it that. to your but, own or whatever yeah, absolutely. You have another one up there called Get Connected. So yeah. what I what I want to encourage my listeners, though, and that wasn't a question so that you could plug it. It's a question really because 
the resources that are out there are valuable. There's a lot of value in what they've put up there through Creative Commons. And I think you'll see, look, I work with authors every day. I see this intellectual property idea. There's a, there's a big shift occurring now about giving away your stuff. Okay. You you guys aren't the only ones. I'm starting to see a pattern of where this is going. And, and it's phenomenal. It's really a good thing because we need to have more people have access to this kind of thing. Now, with that said, what strategies or practices can organizations adopt to empower the employees? Let's take it down the employee to take ownership of sustainability initiatives or sustainability within the organization because many organizations are producing products and services. We know one of the big things and I'll just point to it because it's a pet peeve of mine that I've that I've really tried to work on um is the amount of plastic that's in everything. You know, mm-hmm. anything you buy is wrapped twice or three times and the amount of plastic that's ending up in our ocean uh, and it's floating around out there and killing birds and killing seals and sea lions and all kinds of things. And it's a shame because, you know, in our generation, both you two sitting there and me sitting here, this is pretty much the generation that created that. Uh, the question is, are we going to clean it up? And any company that makes a product or a service that gets wrapped, and I'm beginning to see it just a little bit now. The wrappings are all organic. They're trying to do things. But I'm I'm using one little example here because when you go through this manufacturing process and you look at every little step of what you do, you need to look at um, from cradle to cradle, yep. right? Sure. And I'm not certain too many people are doing it. What would What would you tell executives and how would you engage these employees to want to voice their opinion? about what our company is doing. <laughs> uh, should I start? So I, I'm going to start. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start with measurement, actually, because when you when you measure and you inv- and hear the voices of all your employees, then stuff comes to light because mostly people are passionate. Mostly people do want the organization to be successful. Mostly most people have got children or nieces and nephews, and they're very aware of what's going on and they care about plastic and all of all of that stuff so it. it's, it's not like it's not like um the bosses know the answers and you you ignore the employees and you just tell them what to do well that's for some organizations they still are in that industrial age command and control way of being but frankly that's that way is dying necessarily that needs to die we need to get everybody on board and engage their passions and their their kind of yes we've got we've got to make a difference here so one it would be measure the second is dialogue and we have to be in dialogue with our people to really find out what's going on can i give a real example i love real examples working with an organization with over 150,000 employees in a in um in over 150 countries and what they heard back from their employees that the the predominant way of operating was was really about prosperity we're we're doing a lot of stuff around creating prosperity which the world needs nothing wrong with that but there were some unhealthy aspects to that but what it turned out this organization had a 
uh, their website was fantastic. It talked about their their ambitions for sustainability, for net zero, for circular economy. Circular economy means getting rid of those plastic loops that you're talking about and doing that really well. They had an incredible story for what they were doing. And yet when we looked at their culture, their their culture, they were unaware of the fact that their culture still had some of those deep challenges within it. And let me just let me give you some words, because one of their executives talking about courage, there was a moment when one of their executives said, looking at this area of peace in their how they operate, hierarchy, empire building, manipulation, blame and power were the features of their culture categorized under this area of peace. And and she said, if we're operating with those sort of factors internally, we can never be a force for good in the world. And we as an executive team have to address these things and, and, and transform ourselves so that we can then run the organization in a way that respects our people so that they can then make the difference at the scale that we want it to be. Mm. And so listening to their people who for some of them were still burning out and, um, and there were deep problems within that situation. I don't doubt that they had their aspirations and intentions and goals around sustainability were absolutely true. They held integrity around those things. What they were unaware of was the internal culture that was holding them back that was going to make it difficult slash impossible to achieve those sustainability goals and run a, and run a profitable business. Mm-hmm. And exactly. in order to do that, it, you have to invite um, the whole organization in a co-creative dialogue about what that is. What does it mean? Because the ownership is is rising or the the commitment and, and motivation to do something about it is when you feel that you are part of it. I am. A, it's not somebody else who's going to fix it. I am actually being invited to contribute to make this happen. And the keys to start that is what exactly what Phil is talking about, recognizing we need to do things differently here and address these issues that are actually holding us back. It was a good example, Phil. And I appreciate that because it was a very, very big company, 150,000, 150 countries. So a, a big swath. One of the things that I was recently watching a documentary on working and it had Barack Obama speaking with all these working class people. And in this case, it was just in America, but this is really worldwide. It's an issue. When you look at the division between what a top executive makes today and what the lowest paid person makes today, and that gap, that huge gap, talk about a culture that creates animosity, that Mm -hmm. creates challenges for people to even... uh, have a sustainable culture, right? Um, would either one of you like to field the question about this huge gap in society today, which we've seen grow to 230 times um, at the highest level, the lowest person working inside of a company? And I think when you don't have some equanimity or you don't change that structure of, of pay or you work like Patagonia does, where you're sharing all of those profits. And I do understand that I'm using an example of a company which is just way out of the box in comparison to most companies. Well, what would you two gentlemen say about that? And how does that affect a culture of sustainability? Um, 
That's a good one. First of all, I think that even if uh, Patagonia is way out of the box, it's also an inspiration and a, a good example of it is possible to it start is. to think yeah. differently yeah. Uh, and uh, leading the way. And, and um, I'm sure that many of the listeners have been reading, uh, was it, I gone, I've been I'm gone surfing. I don't know what the exact title the is. Yeah. 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 So th- that's one way of how you as a, an organization could make a difference by sharing how you look upon doing business. Uh, but I can only agree with you. If, if we are going to have more of a sustainable world, we have to address the issues. How that is going to be addressed, it, it again starts with the leaders recognizing that this can't continue uh, and we have to make a change. Uh, somebody is setting those salaries and, and uh, make those differences. Uh, why do I have to have so much more money uh, as a CEO or a president of the organization? Or why do we don't pay more fairly? Uh, so on. So it's, I may, may, may make it very simple, but it's really more of a decision. Uh, becoming conscious and then making a decision that this has to change. We had a well, real, go ahead, we Jim. had a real example here in the UK uh, in in the last few months. You might know that we had a a very short term prime minister, Liz Truss, who lasted, I think, something like forty days, the shortest prime minister ever because of the disastrous decisions she made. And one of yeah. those disastrous decisions was to unfreeze the gap the the cap on bankers pay so there had been a, a, a cap put on bankers bonuses in order to address some of these equality measures in society and she said no we have to let the markets make these decisions and we're going to completely unfreeze that and bankers can be paid unlimited amounts of money and uh, and basically government and the people of the uk said no that is not fair that is not equitable, and we're not going to have it. And that was amongst some other disastrous decisions she made at that point, which was basically to enable um, capitalism to go crazy. Um, basically, the UK said, no, that shall not be the way, and, and equity matters. And and so I actually do see that that slowly this is coming into society. And frankly, Equality is one of uh, equality is one of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and that that happens equality in terms of poverty and equality in terms of food and and education and Gender. all those different things. And until all of that is addressed, it's impossible to address any of them individually. So they all have to be done at the same time. And and yes, there are lots of bad examples, but I'm really happy to say that it was. We make some disastrous decisions here in the UK, like Brexit. But anyway, that one around rejecting the uh, unbridled greed of bankers was, I think, a good decision. I think so, too. And I think that to get to sustainable wages where people can educate their children and buy a home and have the things that they want in the world, meaning, you know, there is... um, uh, it was Bucky Fuller who said this, and I actually wrote a chapter in a book about Buckminster Fuller. He said, if we'd spend less on weaponry and more on livingry, yeah. um, there's more than enough to go around. And I think that is 
the point. Um, some people may think Bucky Fuller was a little crazy, and maybe he was, but the reality was is some of his postulates, some of his theories were right on. I mean, this goes back years and years, and I've been a studier of his for years. And that leads me to our wrap-up question here for our interview for both of you. What are some of the essential metrics and indicators organizations should consider when measuring sustainable performance with inside their organization? What what are you know, what would you two gentlemen, you have tons of resources at your website. We're going to direct everybody to go to amkara.life, uh, download the book, download the assessments. But you know, if somebody out there is listening today and they're saying, Well, guys, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to, what to measure. Um, what advice would you give a CEO or a CFO or uh, somebody in HR department today who's listening to this and is going, wow, uh, I, I need some place to go. And I'm going to say first, I'm going to say go to amkara.life and get the resources there and read the book. And then secondly, when you have a question, contact one of these gentlemen through the website. <laughs> <laughs> So what would you measure? Well, I'm going to start with some of the traditional measures that we have. So like they're still useful. So measuring profitability and measuring productivity and measuring customer satisfaction and employee well-being and those sort of things. These are all critical measures we need to start with. But but what we've created is a way to connect is to measure culture directly connected to the UN sustainable sustainability goals. So we look at these five areas and and now I'm being put on the spot and I'm going to have to remember what they are. They are no, you remember them for sure. people, prosperity, planet, peace and partnership. So we can look at the cultural dimensions of an organization through these five dimensions. Well, to what degree are we are we considering people internally and externally in our decision making to what extent are we considering prosperity for society and prosperity but by the way include things like that fairness of wages because that that matters um planet i think speaks for itself what are we doing to ensure that we are um taking our part for not just doing less harm to the planet but actually doing positive good what are we doing in order to ensure that peace prevails in my heart, in our culture, and on earth. And and finally, we look at this area called partnership, which it says, like, we can't do this alone. It requires all of us. It requires all of us to work together. And and as, as competitive as we might feel with each other, actually, if we work together with some of these other organizations, we're going to get there a whole lot quicker, and we'll create a future for our children's children and, and well-being for all and maybe we oh. should say that that those five p's is an extension of the triple bottom line which was the, the it used to be three p's yeah exactly and <laughs> yeah. then united nations realized that it can't work unless we have partnership and peace and and if we look at the world right now who are in many senses, in specifically here in Europe, we are very much caught up and focusing on the war, which is a short-term focus. It's not helping us to become sustainable. We are now focusing more on our basic need of survival and, and making sure that it works. But so it's holding us, that peace, unpeace is actually holding us back from creating a more sustainable world. So yeah, it, it's, and- it, they are, yeah. 
Well, no, those, those five P's. And again, for my listeners, go to the website and get this book. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, they say you can't get it in physical form. So just trust me, go download the book. You can flip through the pages. There's a lot of pictures. It's an easy read. It's not difficult. And when you get done, you're going to be able to look at the things that you want to measure and create initiatives in your organization. Um, And these gentlemen would be happy to help you create those initiatives in your organization and then start to measure them, measure them for the outcomes that you're attempting to achieve. And it, this is, I will say, gentlemen, it's a slower process, but you need to be patient uh, in this process. I think a lot of times people say, oh, I'm going to take this on and we're going to accomplish this by this date. Um, and it's an old Buddhist saying, and I know both these gentlemen know it, um, but expectation is suffering in the making. Um, so don't <laughs> suffer because you didn't actually reach the milestone you thought you were going to make. Because here's the complexity of this, and both these gentlemen have spoken about it. You're talking about the complexity of a person. We're human beings. Um, we have feelings. Uh, they matter. Those feelings and behaviors sometimes get in the way of us doing exactly. We addressed that earlier, you know, what we were talking about. You then have all this production facility at Volvo makes, you know, you got to put these parts together and get these things and then you got all these resources that you got to pull them from and investigate who's giving you what and are they telling you the truth and what kind of assessment are you doing to figure out is this where you want to get your your plastic from that goes in the car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those kind of things become something for you to look deeper. But here's the thing. For us to change, you're going to need to take a microscope and look very closely at all these elements. And then you're going to need to expand that to see the world in which you're operating. And when you do that expansion, you actually see the impact you're having to global warming, the impact you're having to whether it's a division in salaries, the impact you're having. And you can make it a much happier place to be, both your own culture and your personal world, if you open up and let go, right? Yep. You have to let go of a lot of memes. We were talking about this earlier. If it's an adverse childhood experience, you need to learn how to let go of that. That might be affecting a behavior or a thought. And that's where it all starts. That's why this show is called Inside Personal Growth, uh, because the guru's in the mirror. When you make up in the morning, you know, and you look in the mirror, you're, this is where it starts, is right here. And you guys have been a great two guests to have on the show. I appreciate your time. Again, the book is called Growing a Culture of Sustainability. Phil Clothier and Tor Inroth. Uh, Go down and download that book because as uh, Tor told us, you can't get a physical copy. They're the only two that have physical copies. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys both for being on Inside Personal Go. Any last words? Thank you for having us. Actually, I started with a quote from Rumi. I'm going to finish with the last three lines of a poem from Gary Schneider, which is which is guidance for this work. And he says, stay together, learn the flowers, go light. Did you say learn the flowers? Yes. Like 
like learn about nature learn learn the flowers okay stay together learn the flowers go light it's it's a poem that we use at the end of the book to um really express the poem is called for the children by gary snyder and it's it's short but it's beautiful and it is it it is that's you know what people today have so much coming at them a three-liner like that is something they can remember so thank you (laughs) thank you for that one thank you both for being on inside personal growth namaste to you both thank you appreciate you thanks greg bye-bye thank you Greg. thank you for listening to this podcast on inside personal growth We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.